There's a TV ad in the 80s, and I don't know if it's because of the many trips to the supermarket uh, that I took with my parents that had the same little tagline in the checkout aisle, Inquiring Minds Want to Know, the good old National Inquirer. It'd be an interesting study to go back and look and see how right or just how wrong they were most of the time. Inquiring Minds Want to Know. We have questions. God has answers? Yes. Sometimes. Well, think of the gospel text today. We've got plenty of questions, you know. Think of your life today. You've got plenty of questions, you know. If we live somewhat of an examined life, at least simply in part, in pursuing a bit of the truth, not just simply dulled by escapism or the world, we've got questions. Inquiring minds want to know. Why is it so hard? What's going on? That's one, right? Why me? Why can't things be better, easier? Why can't I be like him? Ah, he's got it all put together, doesn't he? Or it just, all the chips go his way, right? Why can't I have what she has, right? Why instead the pain? We read the gospel lesson today. We've got plenty of questions, I think. And those questions will remain unanswered if you're going to be a good student of the scriptures and not simply read into them. I could do that as a preacher. It's tempting to kind of steer the scriptures my way, have little answers for what scripture leaves open. But no, I mean, a mother cries to Jesus, but he doesn't answer her a word. Why? Why? Why silent to a mother's plea for her daughter? The disciples beg Jesus to send her away. What's their tone? Why? Why do they do that? What are they thinking? We can fill in the blanks, and you probably are starting to answer these questions in your mind. But the scriptures stop you flat. Okay? When Jesus does speak, is he insulting her? Does she feel insulted? I mean, dogs, right? That doesn't sound too nice, but let's stop. We have lots of questions, and the text answers only one of our questions. And that question is this. What does great faith look like? And as we read the text, we've got the answer to that question. It is very rare, after all, that our Lord Jesus looks upon a human sinner in in the life that he lived here sort of on earth. It's hard to say it that way, because is he not with us, right? It's ah, it's Christology. (laughs) But it's rare that Christ commends faith as he walks through Israel, right? Or Tyre and Sidon, for that matter. Hmm. 
It's much more common that he gets hostility, that people try and throw him out of town, that they say, go away, you're casting out demons by demons, etc. Or that Jesus looks at mankind and he's not too impressed. Oh, you of little faith, a wicked and faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? But this time, he is impressed. Great is this woman's faith, right? And so what does great faith look like? And yes, there is a time and a place to go through a wonderful treatise and doctrinal approach to faith. And what is faith? And that's not the sermon you're going to get today. And maybe you're saying thank you. I don't know. (laughs) Doctrinal sermons are notoriously boring, right? Uh, But they're good for you, and they are life. Faith is a gift of God, yes. And there's a time and a place for that doctrinal discussion. But when we look at her faith and simply take the text and go with the text and let that guide our discussion today, maybe it's possible that we go right away and we say, look at her dire situation. Her daughter, this is a mother's plea. She's crying, she's coming to Jesus, she's kneeling. She has despair, she has nowhere else to turn. Okay, is that where faith starts? Not so sure. There are plenty of times that folks pray for healing, and it's not granted. Right? That we get a silent response. And certainly faith doesn't begin with us, by the way, right? So we say, well, let's look. Her faith is commended. Let's look at that. What faith of hers is commended? Because Jesus doesn't say, oh, great is your despair. Great is your lowly stature. You're the lowest of the low. Instead, she's a Gentile of the worst sort, a Canaanite. Oh, you know, she, she shouldn't even exist. She should have been conquested or people destroyed back in the day. And Jesus, in, why is he in Tyre and Sidon? Another question unanswered, right? If you're sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, do they get bad direction and head north to the coast? Right? What's wrong there? Anywho, we have to get on to what Jesus does commend. Look at how she addresses Jesus. A Canaanite of the worst sort, yet she says what? Lord. And in Matthew's gospel, it's only disciples who call Jesus Lord. Nobody else calls him that. Only true believers. Hmm. And then she speaks better than the Israelites do. Son of David. She knows just who he is. And she's not willing to say, oh, one of many gods. I'm at my wit's end. I'm grasping at straws. I need somebody. I'll pray to anybody. I'll light a candle to anybody. No, she knows just who Jesus is. The specific God. The Son of David. And that specific God has a specific plan. You see, you can't have the kind of Jesus that you simply want for yourself. As if you're molding Jesus from some clay and saying, be like this and I'll worship you. Doesn't church shopping kind of border on that sort of a thing, right? I'll find the place that has the Jesus that I want rather than simply... The real Jesus. Straight up. 
Dr. Gibbs of Concordia Seminary has this beautiful line, and it's so beautiful that I just felt guilty using it as my own words. So I have to quote him. God doesn't keep every promise that I can think of. He only keeps the promises that he has made. Hmm. All those hymns about prayer take on a different tone now, don't they? God doesn't keep every promise that I can think of. He only keeps the promises that he has made. What does great faith look like? It knows and it believes who Jesus really is. With no manipulation toward God, acting as our own gods, trying to say, God, do my bidding. No. Since Christ is Lord, and the woman knows this, the woman knows that she is not her own Lord. The fullness and lordship of Christ, the Son of David, the Messiahship is noted as he takes on our griefs, our sufferings, our pains, and carries them in himself to the cross. Suffering, bleeding, dying, crucified, buried right into the death that hurts us so, and risen, and risen. Yes, we're in Lent, but we can talk about Christ's resurrection because his defeat of death shows you that he's Lord of all. Oh, there is a veil cast over all you peoples, even myself, and that veil is this, death, and it comes to all. But Jesus has defeated it. And so he is Lord over all. He is Lord over the devil. He is Lord over the world. He is Lord over you. And you specifically. And since Christ is Lord, great faith acknowledges that Jesus has something. That's what she acknowledges, this Canaanite woman. That Jesus has something even for her. And that he'll give it to her. How wonderful. See, there's, it's not a combative statement, she says, when, yes, Lord, yet even, as if she's wagging her finger at Jesus. I didn't look at the bulletin cover. Is she wagging her finger? Yeah. We don't have holographic image covers on our bulletin. You know, the, the finger goes. She's not combative. She's not arguing with Jesus. She's agreeing with Jesus. It's one little Greek word, gar, but it means for, because, right? And so she, Jesus says, it's not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. And she says, yes, Lord, because even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She's agreeing with Jesus, not arguing with him. Yes, the children should be at the table. That's how it should be. And dogs still get to eat. And if you're a dog in your Lord Jesus' house, you're going to eat pretty well. There's going to be plenty of scraps left over. The crumbs that fall from the master's table, those are all that we need. Scraps from the Lord's table are plenty for us poor sinners. Gentiles, Canaanites, Germans, and Norwegians. Americans, even. Now, the crumbs does not mean simply this. 
Make a wish, and so long as you really believe it, you'll get it. But don't tell anybody. Shh. Right? No, there are plenty of sick Christians, and we'll pray for them. But some sick Christians get sicker, and they even die. Right? Let's be honest. The woman's great faith is that she knows just who Jesus really is. Let's get back to that, by the way. She knows who Jesus is and that he has something to give her. He has something for her. But that's not a statement that means you should hear that and think, you have a genie God, you've got three wishes to go make now. That's weak faith, and it's not confessing Jesus as this, the true Lord. The fact that Jesus is Lord makes faith probably what it is, as well as makes faith a bit harder. It's a lot easier to think of, okay, there's this being that exists that I can talk to when I want something. It's harder to think that that being is actually the one who's in control of everything, not just there to do your bidding. Jesus is Lord, and he may have something for you, that you don't want, that if shown now, you would run full speed the other way. But it's coming for you. And he has it for you. And he has it for your eternal good. And that's hard. That's going to lead us then to prayer. To look to the one who has given it, who has allowed it, who wills it, to ask, to seek, to knock, to cry out, pleading with the Lord for an answer. And some questions that we have, this side of heaven, will have no answer. There will be silence. But some are. Some big ones are. And we will need to hang on every word, every single crumb of God's promises that fall our way. That skip down off the table and like that dog, we get it right away and we grab it. We have to have it. They're all that we have to go on. But in the strength of that food, we will go on until we see our Lord face to face. It'll be all that we have to go on, but it'll be enough. So Christ is Lord, and he is for you. You have a place with him. Hear his promises. He will keep the ones that he's made to you. You belong to his people. You baptized ones. He forgives your sins. He gives you peace. He feeds you from his table now with true food and drink. And these are not just crumbs, though it may seem like a simple morsel rather than a meal. There is great joy that we have, since there is purpose to living, and there will be healing and eternal life for you in body and in soul. The true God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit may not answer all your questions now. He may be silent. He may have us limping right along with him.
seemingly weak, broken, well, gar, for he is Lord. And he keeps the promises that he has made for you. So let's lip along with him, shall we? And embrace what he has set before us, even though we wish to run. Kneeling, praying, begging, trusting in his promises now and evermore. Great is your faith. Amen.